time for a PBFG quick hitter. All right, so I'm going to try something new here where I do a little mini pod or a little mini voice recording, just breaking down what I saw from a particular quarterback on a given week. So as you might have guessed, my first one is going to be Justin Fields in his second start, third appearance versus the Detroit Lions at Soldier Field. Now he's getting a lot of hype and rightfully so in some respects because he did have some really nice plays. It started with a bomb down the seam to Mooney, nailed him 40 yards downfield, in stride, perfect throw, elite throw. Can't take anything away from it. Couldn't have made it any better. It's perfect. He might have been a little bit late on his read, but because his arm is so strong, he's able to throw a frozen rope 40 yards downfield. That's what you want. That's the luxury that a strong arm affords you. So that's a perfect throw. Absolutely no downgrade on that play. Additionally, he had another elite throw when he rolls out and throws that deep corner route to the sideline to Allen Robinson in between a dropping defender and a collapsing defender. It was a dangerous play, and it might not have quite been the right read. And if one of those defensive backs were a better player, say one that starts on any other football team in the NFL, that could have been a pick. But it was a perfect throw. It was right on time. He understood the play. He moved well. It was a perfect throw. Again, no downgrade on those two plays. They are perfect plays. Elite throws. Now, he had two more throws that were great. They weren't elite. There was something a little wrong with them. One of these is a ball to Mooney again on a go route where he puts it a little too far outside and it leads him out of bounds. Mooney had three steps on his cornerback. He was wide open. If Fields puts a little arc under it, leads it Mooney out a little bit, that's a touchdown. That's why it's not perfect. But it's a really good throw. It wasn't very accurate, but it was far enough downfield that, you know, there's probably only 20 quarterbacks in the NFL that have the arm strength to make that throw. So anytime you throw a ball more than 30 yards downfield and it's fairly accurate, you're getting an extra point simply because you have the arm talent to make that throw. Mac Jones can't make that throw. Just can't do it. He doesn't have the length. His ball doesn't go far enough. That's a great throw. Additionally, he had a ball where he rolls out and hits Cole Komet. Komet should have caught it. I had that as a good throw. It just wasn't that difficult of a throw. It was The pocket movement was great. It was a little bit late of a read. It just wasn't that hard of a throw to hit. This puts him at two elite throws, two great throws, and one solid throw. That's five positive throws out of 19 aimed passes. That's a really high percentage. Quarterbacks don't often hit more than one elite throw in a game, unless they're Tom Brady or Matt Stafford. Most offenses don't aim that far downfield. They're not that aggressive. And of the ones that are that aggressive, it's just difficult to be that accurate downfield. So Fields' highs were very high. He had seven pedestrian throws, but three of those, he was significantly late on the route. Uh, Most commonly, it was a lot of curls where he was a full step late, and he got lucky that the Lions, A, have terrible cornerbacks. Aside from, Amani Arouye is a good cornerback. I like him a lot. I thought he was a steal in the draft. He is a good number two, low-end number one cornerback. But that's all they have. They have no safeties. They have no other cornerbacks. So if he gets beat, they're torched. And that's why their defense runs a lot of soft zone coverage with big cushions. And it was very apparent because on the curls, Fields is a full step late, you know, a half second late. And on a curl, that oftentimes means a pick, at least a pass breakup. But he had three balls on, you know, those short routes where the cushion was big enough where it didn't matter that he was late, it was still completed. He had seven inaccurate or batted passes. I call a batted pass a bad pass just like any other because 
if the quarterback had somebody open and he's aiming, I don't really care if a linebacker gets a hand on it or a defensive lineman gets a hand on it. It was a bad throw. That's just, you got to live with that. Four of his bad passes were just because he was late on the read. One of his bad passes was the interception. He had a man open. It looked like it probably would have been an accurate throw, and it was the right read, and it was about on time. You know, could have been a little later. I don't know what his ball placement would have been, so I don't know. But it was a bad pass because it was batted. And it ended up getting intercepted, and that's not on him. It was not an interceptable ball. Justin Fields had zero interceptable throws on Sunday, but that's on him. So, So four late reads led to bad passes. Three late reads led to pedestrian throws that he got away with. One of his late reads led to a bad sack that was entirely on him, and that was the sack fumble. First of all, a fumble is going to count against him because he dropped the ball. He can't drop the fucking ball. Don't drop the fucking ball. Second of all, I'm not giving him any plus movement on this because he ran directly into a sack. Like, the sack was his fault because he moved. So yes, it's nice that he's fast, and yes, it's nice that he had some nice pocket movements, but it is what it is. Additionally, uh, one thing I thought I would see more of from him, but I didn't, I thought he was going to bail from clean pockets more frequently. He only did it once, really, that I saw. And... Maybe twice. So maybe he bailed from a clean pocket on the sack. The sack fumble, that is. And he definitely bailed from a clean pocket on his first down run. But it was a good run. It was a positive run. It's a worth about as much in my mind as a good throw. So I give him points. I give him a point for that. You know, that's a bonus. Good job. He had no neutral runs. They're still not using his legs too much, probably because they don't want to have to go to Nick Foles with Andy Dalton hurt. And that's totally fair. That makes sense to me. He didn't have any throwaways, and he got points for navigating the pocket smartly four times. It was one of his very first throws. might have actually been his very first. He's got a corner blitz, and he notices it. It's on his front side, so it's easier for him to notice it. It's coming off the right tackle. But it's a lightning corner blitz, and he sees it, pulls off an awesome spin move back and around him, and rolls out. That was beautiful. That is the kind of Russell Wilson-esque stuff that has people so high on Justin Fields. But then he put the ball on the ground. So I'm not going to give him a ton of points for that. I mean, great pocket movement. Good job. Be a better thrower. All told, he was only accurate on 63.16% of his aim passes. That's not great. If you listen to our picks pod, The Call, The Big Pod, Alex and I roasted Baker Mayfield. Just said he was fucking terrible, right? Well, in this Justin Fields game that everybody's super excited about against the Lions, remember, it's the Lions, one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Fields was accurate on 63.2% of his passes. Baker Mayfield was accurate on 62.1% of his passes against the Vikings, which is a much better secondary. So, Baker Mayfield's, oh my god, it's terrible, the sky is falling game, about as accurate as Justin Fields' game. And I know what you're thinking, Justin Fields had a lot of positive plays, he's throwing downfield. No, it's not that cheap dink and dunk shit that Baker Mayfield does. Well, Justin Fields had a positive play on 28.6% of his snaps. That's really good. That's that's solid. Anything above 25 is good. Baker Mayfield only had a positive play on 22.2% of his dropbacks, and that is why I gave Baker Mayfield a C- for his performance, and I'm going to give Justin Fields a C for his. It was a clear grade above, but it's not like a tier above. They were both not great performances. And the reason for this is because 38.1% of Justin Fields' dropbacks ended in a negative play, which is still really fucking high. You know, for reference, again, Mayfield had 38.9% negative plays on his dropbacks. Same percentage point. So you want to get that number down under 20% to be like a truly, truly good quarterback. So Justin Fields, most of 
the plurality of his plays were negative. He was not particularly accurate. And exactly a third of his plays were gimmies. Like a third of his complete, you know, of all of his plays were completed gimmies. You know, he's not throwing the ball downfield as frequently as one might remember. And most of his success is coming on... And by success, I simply mean completed passes are coming on things that you would expect a Kirk Cousins to hit or maybe even a Colt McCoy. You know, insert your favorite not very good quarterback here. All in all, I think the story of this game is one, Detroit still sucks. And two, despite Detroit sucking and providing no pressure whatsoever because they're just not capable of it, Justin Fields was still late pretty frequently. I counted nine different plays that he was late on. Either he was late on his read or he was late to make a decision. They ended in the solid throw to Kmet, three pedestrian plays he got away with, four bad throws that were created purely because he was so late, and the sack that also led to a fumble. You clean up all of those negative plays that come from Fields being late with his reads, being slow to understand, and even Tom Brady's late on some things. You know, occasionally Tom Brady will be late on a curl. It's rare, but it happens. So I don't expect this number to hit zero. But if Fields can clean up his late reads, that's six slugging points in my algorithm that he can get back. Now, what does that mean? That means that if Justin Fields eliminated all of his negative plays, or all of his plays in general, even the one positive one that came from late reads, this is an A performance. Justin Fields gets an A performance if he gets rid of the late reads. So it's there. The question is just, one, is he going to be as accurate when he's facing tighter windows? The answer has historically been no. He's ne Even in college, he was never able to hit tight windows. He likes his receivers to have a lot of separation, and even when they do, he's still not pinpoint accurate. He's just fairly accurate. Additionally, I don't think he'll ever be able to read quicker than he did this week, simply because it's a curl, it's a three-step drop, and hit him. Like, one, two, three, hit him. That is very easy to do. The Lions corners are playing soft cushions. The Lions corners are bad. You should be able to hit that on time. The ball should be hitting the receiver when he turns around. Frankly, there's no excuse. I don't care that it's his second game. He's had uh, over 100 days on this team of practice where he can learn how to hit a curl. Frankly, he should be early on a curl in his second start, no matter who he is. I mean, he should be really ready. He's not there. I don't think he's going to get there, but he can get better. Looking ahead, next week he plays against the Raiders, and I think that the Raiders are going to give him a hard time. I don't think the Raiders are nearly as good as the Browns' defense is. I don't think that they're going to be picking Justin Fields up from the ground nine times. But I think the Raiders will get three or four sacks, and I think that they'll be predominantly Justin Fields' fault. I also think that the Raiders' cornerbacks and safeties, while not great, are decent, which is a massive upgrade from the Lions. And so I believe that they'll probably pick him off at least once. His late reads will become more prevalent. And he will struggle. If Justin Fields plays against the Raiders, I think we're looking at 14 to 17 points. So, once again, I think that Justin Fields was good for Justin Fields, but average for an NFL starting quarterback against the Lions. I don't know what his stats look like. Frankly, I don't care. I never have. I think that Justin Fields took what Detroit gave him. He made a few other things, and he almost lost his ass at other times. If Detroit picks up that fumble, scoops and scores, we're looking at a very different outcome from this game. We're thinking Justin Fields might actually be a problem here. Hell, the Bears could have lost the game. I, they probably don't. But frankly, the Bears were lucky to win this game anyways because the Lions went 1 of 5 in the red zone. Not one of five scoring touchdowns, mind you. One of five scoring anything. That's unheard of. So the Bears benefited from massive turnover luck and playing against a terrible team. 
And frankly, I don't think that Fields' success continues against decent teams. This being said, if Andy Dalton plays against the Raiders, you better bet your ass I'm betting on the Bears. So I think that wraps up my first single quarterback performance mini pod, whatever you want to call this. When I edit it down, it'll probably be about 10 minutes of pure talking football, breaking down plays. Tweet at PBFG underscore pod. Let me know what you guys think of these mini pods. If you guys like them, I'll keep doing them. If nobody likes them, I'm probably not going to do them. But be on the lookout for more. I'll probably do a few more for this week in particular. Probably Mac Jones, Tom Brady, perhaps Baker Mayfield, perhaps Derek Carr. But until then, I hope you enjoyed this little appetizer. Asta.